Hi, friends. Before we dive into today's episode, I wanted to let you know that if you like what we talk about here on the Belonging Podcast, I think you'll really love my book. It's called Root and Ritual, Timeless Ways to Connect to Land, Lineage, Community, and the Self. And it is available right now wherever books are sold. It is a beautifully illustrated guide to connecting with the earth, your ancestors, and your communities as you come home to your whole self. Though we live in a radically different looking world, the needs of our bodies and spirits are the same as the ancestors we come from. I divide this book into four parts, land, lineage, community, and self, and I take you on a journey for engaging more deeply with your life. I provide stories from my own life and I share rituals, recipes, and ancestral wisdom, journal prompts to support you on your individual and unique and sacred path. You can get more info and bonuses at rootandritualbook.com and pick it up at your favorite bookstore online or in person. Thanks for all your support. It means the world to me. I'm Becca Piastrelli, and this is Belonging, where I talk about what it means to belong to the earth, to yourself, to your ancestors, and in community. Hello, hello, and welcome back to Belonging the Podcast. It's Becca Piastrelli here, welcoming you into this space whenever it is in time and however you are meeting me. I honor that. Today's episode is about grief, and it's with Shauna Jans, who is a sacred grief counselor. She is dedicated to tending belonging in our world, within ourselves, with each other, with our other than human relations, and with the sacred. Shauna creates space for reaching into the rough and beautiful places that are a catalyst for transformation and healing, personally and collectively. Her offerings are trauma-aware, somatic-informed, and culturally inclusive, and anchored in the resiliency of the human spirit, healing justice, and animist values. So one of the things we talk about a lot in this episode is how we live in a culture that is grief phobic and that feels ever more important as the days pass here in the year 2020 when we're recording this. So we recorded this, if you're listening in relative real time to when my episodes come out, We recorded this episode with COVID-19 at the forefront because that was the biggest, deepest reality of the time. And that hasn't gone away, but there's a different layer on now. And that, that is the uprisings around the world calling for an end to police violence against Black folks and the dismantling of white supremacy. And we are in a deeply powerful moment. I think this episode is so important, and I really want to presence in this intro the importance of grief support, the need for grief support 
now more than ever before. And we obviously don't overtly talk about that when we recorded this, but I want to infuse that into your heart, into your body, into your brain before you listen to our episode, particularly when we talk about a lack of grief rituals in our culture and the need to make grief a relational experience and not an isolated one. And Shauna says, pain is here. Pain is here. How do we manage that? I've been thinking about that so much as we here in the United States, I know not everyone listening lives in the United States, and yet racism is pervading the whole world. White supremacy is, no one can escape it, but that there is so much pain, particularly in this country, and that we need we need to collectively acknowledge it, stop pretending it's not there, and feel it in all our different ways with all of our different experiences of race, of privilege, of racial violence, of racial trauma. And that's something I'm just really thinking about. And I know that other countries have done this. I know South Africa and Truth and Reconciliation. I know Australia has worked on that with their Aboriginal uh, folks who still live there. And certainly it doesn't get rid of the problem entirely. It's a systemic shift in a new paradigm. And yet I think that the role of grief is something to not gloss over in the shift from a paradigm of white supremacy to a new world. So I wanted to make sure I mentioned that before you continue on. At the end of this episode, Shauna leads us in an exercise to call upon the resilient ones. We're talking about ancestors here. Again, we had a deep connection to COVID-19, which we still do, which we still do. And with the intention of working with our body and our senses to process grief and to call upon the resilient ones. And so with this added deeper layer that's always been there (laughs) and is very much in the forefront, at least in the time of this recording this intro, I really encourage you, I don't, everyone listens to this podcast in different circumstances to pause and maybe put your back against a tree or maybe put the dishes down and sit on the couch or go outside and really be with us in that experience because it's so important for us to work with our nervous systems and work with our well ancestors to call upon resilience as we continue to navigate this emergence of what's to come. So with all of that advice, (laughs) I hope you enjoy this conversation with Shauna Jans about grief. <laughs> so good to be with you, Shauna. Thank you. Yeah. I'm good I'm too. so glad you um let me know about you and your work mm. with grief mm. because I feel like grief is <laughs> I was about to say grief is up for us right now. Isn't grief always up for us? Mm-hmm. You know, but there's just something about you dialing in on it that feels so special mm. and so important. And um, I think just in my own in my own life work, uh, 
the more I dip into the seasons and cycles of the earth, the more I dip into ancestral connection work, the more I get to know like the earth, Mm. like the more I get to know death. Yes. And the more I get to know loss. And um, this time last year, I took the first two of three module courses for a death midwifery certification. Yes. And all of that sort of took me into this place of like, wow, grief is such an important part of being human, of being alive. And just like we are a death phobic society, I feel like grief sort of feels like a phobia too. Absolutely. So I'm just really happy you said, hi, I would like to talk about this. It's very important. <laughs> it's it's my work. And so I'd love to know, it's like the biggest question ever, but like what is what is your relationship to grief and how do you feel about its importance in this, in this time, in this world, mm. in this way? Yes. Yes. Big question. Well, what really drew me also to, I mean, you've just had so many fabulous people and conversations and I really appreciate, yeah, your, your podcast here and, and belonging. And, you know, that really drew me in also because for me, my relationship to grief has been closely tied to the yearning for belonging and the also the experiences of feeling unbelonging or not belonging. So what I can say is that in my own lived experiences coming from, there's been certain gateways or that have opened up a profound grief for me. And they're a little bit different than what most people might think about. So the the one that's been gra- that I've been grappling with for all of my life is the the struggle the challenge to be fully completely here in incarnate form so I call that like a spiritual grief mm-hmm. and earlier uh, lived developmental trauma experiences exacerbated that and so there is this perpetual feeling of not belonging not fully being here and it's taken a lot of healing work and lived situations and wonderful people in my life and and practitioners and healers and therapists, et cetera, doing the work and doing the trauma healing work for me to become more and more into my own embodiment and uh, I guess commitment to fully being here and fully arriving. And then throughout that trajectory also, uh, I guess probably the, the most potent gateway into grieving for me that really led me into this work saying like, oh, wow, this is this is something that I'm feeling called to step into in a really focused way was um, in my 20s, being really immobilized by ecological despair and earth grief and yeah. cultural mm-hmm. grief. And I was really immobilized by it. It really took me out. And in order to act through its um, in life affirming ways to be able to kind of get through that experience, I had to see what was happening was that the reason why I was feeling this profound anguish and despair and grief was because my heart had really opened to the vast interconnectedness of my life with others' lives, with our other than human kin, with this earth, with ancestors. And it was then that I started really seeing that the disconnect from our ability to be with grief individually and collectively, how that was playing out culturally, systemically, and how that was doing a disservice to us being in connection. And uh, for me, I would say also being in belonging and in relationship to ourselves, to each other, to life around us. On top of that was also starting to come into awareness of 
the unresolved, unmetabolized grief and trauma through my own ancestral lineages mm. and how that was still playing out through my own physical body in, in terms of chronic illness or certain ways of being and seeing in the world that I didn't know where that came from. It didn't feel like it was connected to personal experiences. And yet when I started to broaden my story of belonging to include the ancestral story of my people, I started to then reckon with the places that had still been unmetabolized and how that was showing up in my own heart and my own bones and my body and the ways I was showing up in relationship to myself, to others. And so for me in a very, like in my story as Shauna Jans, this yearning for belonging that has been this thread, you know, sometimes it's in the lack of having something, it's in the missing of something that that becomes the invitation to search it, to create it, to yearn for it, to become intimate to it and to be, to have an appreciation for it that you might not have had if you'd always been in it in the first place. And so this stretching and, and yearning and following the threads of belonging has really been tied to fully becoming embodied. And what that has come to in my life is recognizing that my embodiment, my commitment to this life here, this incarnate, very specific particular life that is mine, that has been gifted through the lives and generations who've come before me, my embodiment is a way for my collective inheritance of my humanity that has been specific through my own people, my ancestors. I, I am a way for my ancestors and their experiences to know themselves. And that means living fully and in my wholeness, which means not only the joys, but also embracing and being with the pain and the grievances. And how can I make both of and all of, I should say, all of the spectrum of what it means to be in my humanity and offering a continued offering to my people uh, back in time and forward through time. So that belonging has come for me when I have when I have focused and oriented more to fully being here as a way to honor my life, as a way to honor capital L life, as a way to honor my ancestors, and as, as a way to be a lover of life in this time. Hmm. You're speaking my language. <laughs> I just I can I was just head nodding and heart touching throughout so much of what you just shared relating so deeply to the grief of what is the what is the phrase i'm trying to say the grief that comes with like the ecstatic reconnection process uh -huh. of like you know what i mean like it hurts so good yes, <laughs> to it's beautiful to like n to know the plants again and to feel to feel the trees and to know the stones and then to start feeling ancestral connection and to learn the stories and to have the dreams and uh, and all of it to to feel here to not to not feel like you belong here to have moments of of like ecstatic community connection to have moments where you feel it ripped away it's like life mm. <laughs> aliveness yes is is to know grief just as much as it is to know you know ecstatic joy and i believe you can't you you can't experience one without the other i think they're both it's like they're two sides of the same coin the 
the more we can experience that ecstatic communion, the more we'll also feel the grief of when that ends. And the more we can feel our grief, the more I think it brings that appreciation, that praise, that gratitude to when those moments of connection do come. And how do we hold a wide embrace for all of that? It, it feels like when we do that, there's something here about you know, a lot of my work is centered around what does it mean to come back into relationship? And so when it when I speak specifically about grief, it's one thing to say, like, yes, let's embrace our grief. And then it's like, well, how do we do that? Right? How easier said than done. Yeah. And grief is a learned skill. And so part of the reconciling when we come back into connection and perhaps start to understand where if, if we did not grow up in a family or a culture or a community or in intact ancestral life ways, which I'd say is probably many of us, especially living in this um, maybe more dominant Western culture, is that we become disconnected from the inheritance of these skills, uh, how to be with our grief. And so part of the work of coming into our grief is actually taking an exploration and a journey into how it is we are in relationship to our grief. What have we learned explicitly or implicitly in what we've learned? What has been really life affirming for our grief expression and which has actually inhibited it? And so part of uh, embracing grief is not only understanding that, yes, how do I be with my grief, but it's understanding how is it that I'm relating to my grief and which one, which ways that I'm relating might be actually inhibiting the expression of it that actually may be limiting for its healing expression. Ooh, yeah, that feels important. I know we live in a society that is like starved of ritual mm -hmm. and like many of our rites of passage have sort of been taken away and we're very much more life affirming than death affirming. Like we all mm -hmm. want to talk about the birth and we're all freaked out by the funeral. And mm -hmm. really the thing that we're most intensely into is not, this is general terms is like the weddings, but like, what about the first moon and what about mm -hmm. menopause and what about death? You know, mm -hmm. what about grief? What about loss? Yes. And I I remember I was really a year and a half ago, I was really into watching YouTube videos of Irish keeners. Yes. Doing open public mourning wailing rituals yes. in the community and how that's still a part of um it's mostly part of Catholic Irish culture. It's ancient and then and some um African communities on the African continent, that's like a, a role in the community. Absolutely. Is, is the the grieving the griever and every time I'd watch it I was obsessed. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm obsessed with watching birth videos and grieving videos, mm -hmm. <laughs> and I think there's just you know it's a part of the same cycle. I would just cry. I would just cry. I would feel it. I would yes. feel it in my own body. I'd feel it crawl up my throat and want to come out. And so I yeah I would like to dive deeper into. You say grief is a learned skill. Mm -hmm. So like we we used to know it mm -hmm. and express it. And I like the frame of we can remember it. Uh-huh. Absolutely. You know, or learn it. So I'd love to hear more about, about that because there's just so much fear around grief. Like it'll take us down. Yes. Can't do it because it'll take us down. Yes. You know, what I hear and what you're sharing is, you know, and I can feel it as I can just put myself there, like imagining myself hearing the keening, the lamenting, 
and what that does to my own heart space because I know this is this is one way that grief wants to continue expressing through me and I know it's an ancestral life way also and as you speak you know regardless of our ancestry we all come from traditions where there were certain ways of of being with grief and so you've brought up Irish keening and lamenting and that's a way of vocalizing. And I would say that vocalizing as a way to metabolize, well, first even catalyze grief and then metabolize it is one, what we might call a cross-cultural practice that can be found in many different cultures through time and space. And so that is one uh, like access point you know, in terms of reclaiming or reconnecting with, even if we're not able to reconnect with the exact practices of our people because a disruption has been too long. So for myself, a Northern European ancestored woman, like I can definitely do the research and I can sense into what those would be, but vocalization, whether that be keening or just using my voice, I know was a ritual technology that my people use because I can feel it in my bones. And so I can take the essence of that and start bringing it into my own relationship to my grief expression. And you've mentioned ritual. And so, yes, grieving is learned and there's a a remembering that is an invitation for all of us. And grief is also relational. And I think this is one of the core uh, wounds of modern dominant culture that's based on more colonial ways of inhabiting and doing and relating is that grief has become stripped of its relational nature. It's become a personal process. And when we bring ritual back into our grief, that allows it to come back into a relationship, into what we might call an offering to life or to spirit or to if there's been a death, or how, how can we work with our grief that's not only therapeutically beneficial for us, yes, but that it comes back into relationship to being part of the catalyst to send our loved ones on their rite of passage of death. And so when we start, what I've been learning in my own years of connecting back in with my ancestry and really digging deep and and really grappling with grief and being intimate with how it is that in, in my own personal process, but also in working with others, is that there's a lot of unlearning that tends to need to happen first mm-hmm. because we've learned Western ways of thinking about our grief as only a therapeutic process that leads to our own healing and its expression of our own pain. And yes, it is this. But when we were in more communal, intact ways of living that was more collectivist rather than individualist uh, in, in terms of our orientation, Grief was first and foremost a communal act and its side Mm. benefits were that it kept us healthy, but grief expression and those who took on the roles of really helping to catalyze grief in that communal setting, that was to be of service to help keep balance of health, not only in the tangible incarnate realms, but also in the spirit realms for that person who who died and is now needing, yeah, the energy to help them complete their rite of passage of death into ancestorhood. It's about offerings of gratitude and honor to the spirit realm. And it helped kept 
our community in balance. And so people that I've learned from Francis Weller, Martine Pactel in this moment really come to mind, you know, grief is gratitude, grief is praise. That which is grief worthy means it's been inside our circle of belonging and it becomes an offering. It becomes beauty, right? Grief to, to mm. be in our grief becomes an offering of beauty. Just like, you know, uh, another teacher of mine, Sarah Kerr has this beautiful analogy of, you know, our relationship with trees, we are offering carbon dioxide to them, which, which our tree can need. And they in turn are offering us oxygen, which we in turn need. And if that exchange were to stop, it would become toxic and, and possibly lethal for either side because we need that ongoing exchange. And so we can think of that exchange the same way in terms of the spiritual aspects, bringing ritual into our grieving practices open, opens up the channel for that relationship and for bringing in spirit, however it is that each one of us may relate to spirit. Mm. Yeah, it, it comes to mind for me the communal aspect of grief, just like thinking about, I had a three-year period where I had a, some some pregnancy losses. Mm-hmm. And it was very intense grief that surprised me. It felt like new territory. It was, you know, fractalized. It was beyond nonlinear. It was like this really intense ride yes. that sometimes gave me like deep ecstasy and joy. Yes. And then these moments of like just like being hit by cement block and being pushed into the earth. And I needed to be witnessed. I needed it. Mm-hmm. I could feel it. And then I and then I'd question myself, like what, you know, this is behind closed doors. I would feel it. I'd yes. feel the like keep the doors closed, put the veil over your head. <laughs> like just this is messy. This is uncomfortable. People don't know what to do. Yes. And I was just like, nope, I need to talk about it. I need to cry in front of people. I I need to write poetry and have it read. Yes. I need to write posts on Instagram and turn off the comments because I don't need anything but to be seen. Uh And it was kind of scary to my like Western minded self. Like, what are you doing? Yes. And then, nope. Oh, I'm so glad I did because I just, it did so much healing work for me. Yes to be like grief is beauty. Yes. Said. Yes. And to say that too soon or to expect that too soon can also dismiss the very pain and the anguish and, and all of that that needs to be felt too. And there, you know, it just, first of all, just thank you for, for sharing that. And there's, there's a few mm-hmm. things that come to mind as, as I hear you share this experience. One thing I hear possibly is that push pull that tension that you're feeling what i would say is this very intrinsic inclination to want to be witnessed and to need that like there's there's that leaning into being witnessed to sharing while at the same time feeling that tension inside that i believe is part of the the culture and the ways that we've been conditioned consciously or unconsciously and what we might call disenfranchised grief, grief that goes unwitnessed, unseen, or unrecognized in our overculture. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. any kind of losses that, whether that be around birth loss, whether that be, you know, namely miscarriage or abortion, yeah. whether that be, I used to hold a lot of support groups for people who, who had had a loved one die by suicide or by homicide or by mm-hmm. substance-related deaths, which has its own stigma around it, right? And so 
what's happening is this, it's what we, what we kind of call the double burden of grief. Not only are you needing to be with the exquisite pain uh, and tumultuousness of this grief and of this loss, which in itself is this type of initiation and rite of passage, but you're also then having to respond to the societal discomfort of that specific type of loss, which has become disenfranchised. It's, it's either deemed illegitimate or just not seen or not recognized. And so even more important there, like one of the number one ways that we can show up well for one another, even if we can't relate to the type of loss or situation that person is going through, is to show up and listen and provide that bearing witness. That's, I mean, if there's, you know, I talk about grief needs, grief needs witnessing. Mm. Grief needs not only to be released, that that feels obvious, like we need this uh, emotional expression and release, but it actually needs containment. And there's different ways that we get containment. One of them is to be able to remain present and in our embodied selves while we're grieving. Another one is to to be able to share and to be able to be witness with other people. That becomes a container. Bringing in ritual is a, a container also. So in all of these ways, in order to have our grief not only released, but then catalyzed, metabolized, transformed, we need that containment piece. And so I see you, despite that tension, having the inner and it sounds like outer resources to get the containment, to get the witnessing and to make that grief relational and part of your creativity. Mm. Oh, right. Making art of our grief, the creativity in what it asks of you, Mm. what it asks of the world. Mm -hmm. I mean, I can't help but think about we're recording this in April, 2020 with COVID-19 mm-hmm. being a major part of our lives. Yes. I wonder how this podcast will age. We don't know. But I'm wondering, I was just looking at all the pictures of the coffins piling up in um, Italy and that the burial site just outside of New York City uh, and thinking about the collective grief, yes. not even just the death, but the sickness, the loss of community, the loss of physical touch, yes. you know, whatever maladies shelter in place causes within homes, whether it's depression, suicide, domestic abuse, you know, there's just so much up yes. right now. And like, what, what rituals can we do? What rituals do we need more than just, you know, a minute of silence in China, which was something like, what, mm-hmm. have you thought about that at all? I'm thinking about it. Oh, yeah. Uh, yes, it's I'm thinking about it and just like all of the nuance and complexity of what you just named, I'm not sure there's one response to that, but in this moment there's a few things that that come to mind. You know, there, there's just yeah, there's just so much complexity and depending on our personal lives, where how we're socially located, where we're living, what kind of access to resources we have, whether we've been steeped in, uh, let's say, religious communities that do have active tending towards grief and death already, or whether we're we're bereft of that. So all of, I mean, there's just there's just so much complexity there. I think one thing that I have found, and it's it's sometimes in the simplicity of things that 
it doesn't always make it easy, but the simplicity doesn't mean that it's um, not effective, is that when we're in this time of overwhelm and when we're in this time of not knowing, which I, I believe grief is one of the teachers of how to be in the not knowing. Mm. And so whatever we can do in our own personal lives to uh, hold that wide embrace for the grief, but also to continue orienting and this is not, I, you know, I get hesitant to say this, so I, I feel like I need a disclaimer. This is not about only turning towards like the light and love, yeah. but in a very nervous system, uh, neurophysiological, biological ways, because all of our ner- nervous systems are really heightened right now. And uh, we all have different thresholds and capacities. Pain is here. Pain is here. We can say that across all these different levels, there's there, we are all having a relationship with pain and unknowing and grief. And so one way to help keep us tethered and able to continue showing up in the ways that we're needing to is to orient. And this has to be a practice. We have to make it a practice because we naturally orient towards the pain and the threat in our environments right now is to orient also towards what we still feel gratitude for, where we still feel beauty, uh, how to orient towards Mm -hmm. some relative felt sense of safety. And because of the level of physical distancing and all the ways that's playing out in our lives, also orienting to what can support us in having that felt experience of secure attachment. Because what this, not only is it the crises of everything you just so beautifully named about what's happening in COVID-19 times in a, in a way that we, we can't even fully comprehend yet, but what also is likely happening is that Personal traumas, developmental traumas, ancestral ones are also becoming heightened in this time. So there's this Mm. matrix of different things that are influencing us. That also means that there's also accessible to us the inherited resilience and the orienting towards resilience that's just as important to be able to hold, to provide that container. And so rituals of both... I mean, there's so many ways to hold ritual and prayer to support those who have died lonely deaths uh, in isolation because of this. My heart just, it's, it's, it's just profound. And for those of us who are already walking in the world so entrenched in supporting others through death, through grief, you know, I... <laughs> It's, 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 it's here. It's in the field. And so there's definitely ways that we can support that richly through prayer and through calling in our well ancestors just to continue supporting those passages, but not to underscore the, the profound and yet simple ways that we can, how do we continue to self-soothe ourselves? Right now, I feel like self-care, even caring for self is community care. If there's one thing that I'm also grappling with right now is that through all of this coming up, how visible it's becoming our interconnectedness. Yes. And there's both heartbreaking ways that I'm seeing that. So it's like here in Victoria, even though we've had such a large population of people without homes for years, now that there's this pandemic, now there's enough mobilization to start finding them homes. I mean, that's beautiful, but why has it taken so long? Mm-hmm. You know, so, and then there's the really heartwarming ways that that interconnectedness is coming up to the ways that 
despite physical distancing, the, the connection is happening. And so how do we continue orienting to, to not turn a blind eye from the pain, but also to orient towards what is beautiful and connective? Mm, yes, exactly. Like, uh, wow, there's so much there. That's really interesting about Victoria's response to the homeless. Mm-hmm. I'm finding it so interesting. We had a guest, Ayana Young, recently on mm, yes. this podcast talking about how it just took a week for the entire world to stop flying and reduce yes. being in the cars and how the earth responded immediately. Right. <laughs> just- took a deep breath yes, and it's like angering and also beautiful. Like, Oh, okay. Okay. So we do care Mm -hmm. about each other. Mm -hmm. We actually do. And you know, I was worried we didn't. And I, I now know we do. I love how you brought in um, inherited resilience Mm. from all beings that we are descendants of. And I've been thinking about this so, so much. I'm actually looking at the altar I created. It's been a little hard to be pregnant in a pandemic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, particularly because I've had a lot of losses. So yes. it's like, yes. it's tender. It's really tender. And so I've I've got a lot of remote support and I've lost a lot of physical support. Yes. I have an incredible partner and two cats that are getting a lot of physical touch right now. They're doing great. Mm-hmm. But I, I I just realized I need to call on something deeper here yes. because I need to ground and root myself and know that I can I can meet this. And um it just came to me that I have so many ancestors who were pregnant or gave birth in plagues yes. in times of harrowing immigration, yes. in times of war, in times of famine, you know, because I'm here. I'm here. Absolutely. So somehow they made it. So I looked up, I was really, I've been really interested in the Spanish flu mm-hmm. for lots of reasons. Mm-hmm. So I printed some pictures, some historical pictures of, of women with their faces covered. And I, p- I printed another picture of a woman during uh, the Irish uh, potato famine, which yes. actually was more like a genocide. Yes. And I, I've put them on my altar to, to look in the eyes of these nameless people, I don't know their names, and just be like, okay, we can do it. Yes. We can do it. Yes. And so when you brought this up, I just thought, okay, I actually think a lot of us could could work with this more. Like how can we tap into this inherited resilience? Yes. Like what could we do? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, because I, my work is um, not only therapeutic based, but very spirit mediated and you know, I'm offering ancestral healing work with folks. Um, so working in spirit realm and the way that, uh, what comes to mind right away. And, and it's so beautiful because our inherited resilience, what we can tap into is, is also, you know, what I had mentioned earlier about like, how do we self-soothe? How do we really amplify secure feelings of connection during this time? And our elder ancestors, those who, who lived an incarnate life through some type of significant change, tumultuousness, etc., plague specific or otherwise, and who also received all they needed to complete their rite of passage of death when they did die, and who were able to resolve what they needed to resolve and who are now in their full spirit essence. So I hold the work in terms of, yes, we all have ancestors who've lived through a lot, 
And in this, you know, the way that I hold how we can start to amplify and activate our own bone level resilience and our ancestral inheritance from those who have experienced these times is specifically calling in the collective field of those elder ancestors who are fully resolved and in their full spirit essence. And that's just a kind of like a ritual safety. We want to make sure we're calling in those who are not only live their incarnate lives in this way, but also are now in their full spirit form and can bring all that, that level of love and wisdom. Mm-hmm. Is that making sense? Yeah, I hear you. Okay. So it's not just about the living through it, but it's the completing the cycle in some ways yes. to have wisdom and resilience to share with us as opposed to trauma to you just got pass it. on to us. You got, got it. it. Because we're, we've inherited both. And so just like I was saying, you know, how we want to really practice orienting towards the gratitude and the beauty also in this time as we hold both, we also, you know, we don't just inherit the resilience. What also might be getting amplified right now is the unresolved grief and trauma in our ancestral lineages. So let's call in that which is uh, resilient and, and healing. And so all of us have access to this. We all, regardless of our ancestry, of our histories, or even how long we may have been disconnected from ancestral, like active tending to our ancestors, to rites of passage of death, to reverence, um, and to calling in our ancestors, we know that all of us have however far back we need to go in our lineages, those who are the elder ones who who carry the the medicines or the antidotes, the, the resilience needed, and that this is in our DNA. I mean, we have the science of epigenetics to prove that also. And so the practice that I often do when I hold space for people when I, and for myself is I call in the collective elder ones in spirit who are wise and loving, who hold the specific resiliency and skills and ways of being that allowed them not only to survive, but to thrive in these times of turmoil and change. And I call in the collective field of those ones to circle around me so that I can be held in that field of blessing, in that field of resilience. And I, when we call in that energetic resonance and we steep in it, it has a way of not only feeling that support, but amplifying those resiliency cells, uh, for lack of a better way of saying it, in our own blood and bones. And so there's there's kind of different levels, uh, ritually speaking, of how that can support us. Oh man, I'm just like, let's do them right now. <laughs> let's do it. Yeah, let's, I mean, we can, let's Work. Okay. I mean, I'm feeling my people right here, right now being like, you're talking about us. You're- <laughs> so if there's anything you want to share. Yeah, let's, you know, okay. So for those listening, uh, just inviting you, if it feels good and right for you in this moment, first of all, take a breath and just orient around your actual physical space. So move your head and take your eyes and look around your space. This seems really simple, but it's a profound way that we can bring some calm to our nervous system. So orienting to your space, noticing what you see in your space, perhaps noticing what you hear, and you might notice your body just settling a little bit 
If it feels comfortable for you, bringing some awareness to your breath. You might notice what your body feels like to be supported by the chair that you're on or the floor, wherever you are, bringing some attention to where your body connects in with what is supporting you. Notice the pressure. Perhaps there's a temperature, a warmth, or a coolness. Perhaps you can sense your feet placed on the ground and you might push your feet a little bit more into the ground and create some of that pressure. What we're doing here is getting a real somatic sense of being supported also. And taking a few more moments here just to really situate yourself in your physical environment and in your physicality. And inviting you from this place to acknowledge that you have people in your lineage who hold the resiliency that is needed for you specifically in this time. And so from your own heart space, setting out an intention, a request, or a prayer, that all of those ancestors of blood and bone who are elder in spirit, who are in their full spiritual essence, who are wise and loving and who carry the resilience so needed in this times, who lived an incarnate life where these skills of showing up through tumultuous times were deepening into resilience and finding adaptive ways of being while staying in connection to land, to self, to other, of coming together in beautiful ways to share in this resilience, those ones, those ones, elder in spirit of blood and bone, we call you in your energy to draw in a little closer, form a circle around your grandchild here, a spacious circle, inviting all of us to just tune in to how you might feel, know, see, or just trust that there's an energy of resilient blessing that's coming online. Some of us may see faces of our people. Some of us may just see images, a color, some of us may just feel a sense of warmth or peace, a quality that has changed. Some of us may just have a sense of knowing, however it is that you sense into your collective elevated ancestors here. Receiving that field of blessing that is your inheritance that is part of your blood and bones and DNA, amplifying that resilience. I'm gonna be quiet for a few moments here.
And if it feels good and right for you, you might also ask, what does your heart need from these elder ancestors who are here to care and love you? What does your heart need in this time? Asking your ancestors for all that you need. And then my invitation for you is to continue attuning or resonating with this field, this collective field of support and resiliency, while also bringing awareness back to your breath. Bringing your awareness to where your body is being supported by the chair. And I invite you to take us like a somatic snapshot of this, the energy field, your breath, your physicality being supported, all these ways that you're being held in this time. And a few more breaths here. And giving gratitude in the way that feels authentic for you. Perhaps there's tears rolling down your face and that's an offering in itself of gratitude. Perhaps there's some tenderness or trembling in your heart. Perhaps you're noticing how much more you could <laughs> stay in this and know that you can call on it. But is there anything that these collective elder ones might appreciate an offering? It could be a, a glass of water, a song, some flowers. It could be a sacred space, like an altar space, like Becca was speaking to earlier. And so we give gratitude. We give gratitude with our hearts, our minds, our bodies, our spirit for all of those ancient, deeply wise and loving, kind, elevated ancestors who carry the medicines of this time for each one of us who are listening into this at any point in time that we listen into this, that this is accessible to us at any time. And so we give thanks and profound gratitude for our bodies, our breath, our lives, and for the support. Continue pouring exactly what is in each of our inheritance. Continue pouring that in for each one of us in exactly the ways that we need to support us and to continue to allow us to continue showing up with kindness and care towards ourselves, towards our families, towards our communities, and to allow us to continue showing up in right relationship with compassion. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. That was wonderful. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you, Becca. It's appreciative to, yeah, be able to just kind of move into that. Yeah. It was what was, what was wanted, mm -hmm. <laughs> what was desired. 
Yeah. Hmm. Well, I'm sure we're in various states of melty honeyness. So (laughs) this is probably a beautiful place to complete. Mm -hmm. So thank you so much for your time and your wisdom and your generosity of expertise. I, I'm wondering if you could share how people can find you or work with you and feeling like in these times, it could be very helpful to get support. So let us know. Beautiful. Thank you, Becca. It's been a pleasure to be here. Um, Yeah, you know, um, I offer grief support and ancestral healing work and support people in somatic resourcing and mentorship. And so any of those offerings and they, you know, I feel very fortunate that this work and the way that I work in spirit mediated ways is it easily happens across distances through online zoom or phone. So uh, if you're interested in working with me individually in that capacity, please visit my website, shaunajans.com. And I also have an online school platform, sacredgrief.com. And there's a variety of different offerings there that really are about rooting into our resiliency, reconnecting in with our ancestral life ways and culturally relevant and personally relevant ways to come back into relationship with your grief and your grief expression, including ritual skills to support that. And I am offering through that platform, sacredgrief.com, free every Sunday. I offer a an hour-long practice community. Uh, you can come and go. Uh, I started that March 15th. It was just uh, my ancestors really, really came online and said, offer this to community during this time. And so I, I will continue doing that for as long as needed. And it's a space to come and to be in connection with other community and to be led through somatic presencing and awareness, uh, connection in with spirit and the ancestors to do some guided visioning together and to really welcome in the both the grief worthy and the, the gratitude worthy aspects of what we're of what we're going through right now. Beautiful. I bet that's really powerful for people who join. So I'm on sacred grief right now and I'm like, ooh, wow. Beautiful <laughs> offerings. Perfect timing too. Mm. Shauna, thank you so much. It's such a pleasure to be connected with you now. Mm, Thank you, Becca. This has been wonderful. Likewise. Yeah. Be well. You too. Thank you so much for joining me. I know your time is sacred and the fact that you spent it with me talking about belonging means a lot. If you want to access show notes or links to old episodes, check out belongingpodcast.com. And if you know a friend who could really benefit from listening to this episode, share it with them. I'll talk to you soon.